Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Looking forward to talking some summer college baseball with you in some 2013 draft class. Aaron, uh, the two of us uh, don't don't write up as many of these leagues anymore as, we, as much as we edit them all. I think you do. How many of these summer college leagues? Three or four? I did the, uh, let's see, Team USA and uh, Cal Collegiate, Ripken, and Valley. Right. That's right. Uh, I forgot about the USA team. Of course, we're we're a long way from the halcyon days when you when you were here and we could uh, uh, do play by play and color commentary for USA Baseball, which was the that was the I, I, that feels like that was this one glorious summer <laughs> of like three yeah. games that we did together, right? Was that like two long, or three games? Yeah, that's right. That was uh, what was that two three years ago? That was the year that the Sonny Gray uh, threw a combined no hitter with some other guys. Yeah, and, and we were we were on the air together when Anthony Rendon broke his ankle. That's right. So that was uh, that was an unfortunate <laughs> occurrence. It was fated not to be for us to uh, be a, uh, America's greatest broadcast team. <laughs> but we still work a lot on summer college baseball, and it's a fun time of year because uh, you know for I think for all of us it's kind of like a tune up for all of our prospect lists in the fall, at least for you and me. But really, the other thing that summer college baseball does is it sets the table for the next year's college season and draft uh, season. And, you know, Aaron, every year, scouts complain about the caliber of talent. It's almost like there's just two extremes. The draft class either stinks or it's awesome. But it does feel like the last couple of years really were extremes. 2011 was awesome, and 2012 not so much. Uh, But however good or not good this year's class is, and it sounds like it's not very good, there's still guys. We're still going to rank guys, and there's still exciting guys to talk about. Uh, to, you, to how you know how much better or worse does this year's college class for 2013 feel compared to 2012, though, in your in your estimation? Boy, that's a tough one. I mean, especially since the, the guy at the top is the same in both cases. It's, it's Mark Appel, right? Uh, um, you know, and and I think that. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. I, it's, I'm still kind of trying to get a feel for how this one compares. I mean, I think you've got certainly some power arms that we like in this class. I mean, I, I like Brian Stanek, um, you know, Sean Manea, of course, had a, a fantastic summer in the Cape, and, and to me, he feels a lot like a like a Chris Sale kind of a talent. Um, you know, you've got some bats that are interesting, but you don't really have the can't miss bats in this college class. I and mean, I think Colin Moran is really going to hit. He's, you know, that's a guy that the bat feels pretty safe, but. Um, some of the guys with more upside, maybe like a, like a Austin Wilson or a Chris Bryant, uh, there's some more risk with some of those guys. So, um, you know, the, the, the bats, there's really not an up-the-middle talent that excites you, um, you know, on the college side. And, and uh, that, that, to me, is a glaring weakness in this class. Um, I mean, you know, who's the, who's the top shortstop in, the, in this class right now, John? I don't know. I mean, uh, Yeah, there's no Devin Marrero like there was in 2012. Exactly. So that to me is, is a real is a real hole with this class. Um, I mean, you look at what Team USA ended up with at shortstop. I mean, there's a reason they had Kyle Farmer as a rising senior playing every day at shortstop, and your backup guy is Adam Frazier, who I like as a college player. He's you know he's got some I think he's got some some quick twitch to him, and he can run, and you know he's a solid little player, but he's he's undersized, and he's not you know he's probably a second baseman in pro ball, um, and and you know and I don't know the bat carry him to the big leagues anyway so there's just really a lack of those up the middle guys and then the other problem to me Aaron, and we're making it sound like this is not a good class and i guess we're we're providing evidence that it's not a great class to me the other thing that's really missing is right-handed pitching yeah and uh right-handed starting pitching and you look at the 2010 draft 
and you see the unsigned high school players, and you're like, oh, there's Carson Whitson, right-handed pitcher, went to college. Hey, there's Dylan Covey, right-handed pitcher, went to college. You think to yourself, okay, this should be pretty good. You know, there's two guys who were first-round picks in high school who went to college. And, you know, Carson Whitson had a, frankly, brutal sophomore year where he, because of a tired arm and his own performance, you know, did not earn more innings. He had the dead arm, and then when he got back, he just wasn't good enough to pitch for Florida. And that's different from other places because Florida's pitching depth was you know, outstanding. But he just wasn't good enough. And Dylan Covey obviously has extenuating circumstances with the diabetes, but he has not uh, had a consistent or really good college career to this point. So two guys who a couple of years ago you thought would be the top guys are not. And right now, you know, going back to that USA team, which I guess we'll kind of start off with, that top 20 you did, Ryan Stanek. I mean, Ryan Stanek's right there. He's probably the best college right-hander for the 2013 draft class. Is that, that's, that's a true statement. Is it not even the unsigned third-round pick? He's right there, isn't he? Yeah, it's him or Appel. Uh, and, you know, you can kind of t- toss a coin in those two guys. I mean, I think Appel's probably a little bit more polished, uh, but doesn't Cleaner have... Cleaner arm. Cleaner arm, actually. Yes, but I don't think the stuff is as electric as Stanek's stuff. I mean, I, I think Stanek... I think Stanek has real swing and miss stuff. He can miss bats with his fastball. He can miss bats with his curveball or his slider. I mean, the guy is his stuff is really is really really electric. Um, but but there are question marks with him because of uh, you know because of the the delivery and and you know there's a little effort there and there's some moving parts and you know is he going to have fine command? Uh, I mean, there were people this summer who liked Crawford more than Stanek, and that's right. that includes scouts uh, and cross checkers as well as as, as coaches. Uh, I mean, you know, Crawford had impressed people a lot this summer. I mean, a lot of people think he's got a real chance to start. Uh, I like and, Jonathan uh, Crawford. I'm, I'm a Jonathan Crawford guy. I, I, I haven't been, but I think it was it not the Northwoods League last year where Jonathan Crawford really kind of emerged as a dude? I mean, he was a guy out of high school, but he really got some innings last summer, correct? That's right, exactly. And he was he actually, at that time, I think he was outside the top ten in Northwoods, but he was in that next tier of guys. Uh, 11 or 12, I think, on that list, and and you know that was he hadn't emerged yet, but he was coming, and and then this spring it really all came together for him, and um, you know the guy has got a big arm, it's you know, mid 90s, and he's he's got a good breaking ball, and he's got feel for a changeup. Yeah, there's you know there's, there's some some herky jerkiness to the delivery, some funk to it that some scouts don't love, but uh, you know I think the package is pretty good. I think he's going to be a good one. I think this I think the thing is you, we look at Jim Callis's Cape Top 30, which we'll discuss. But you're on that Team USA top 20, and the one thing USA team really got was arms, right-handed yeah. starters. I know he didn't yeah. start this summer, but in my mind, if I'm looking at the top starting, starting pitchers who will be back in college baseball next year besides Mark Appel, Ryan Stanek, Jonathan Crawford, and Bobby Wall of Ole Miss, who's number five on your list for USA team, those are the guys. Am I leaving yep. someone out? I think you're right. I think those are the guys. Um, you know, I think Wall is another another the guy. The best that's right-handed got. starter in the Cape was like Aaron Blair out of Marshall, wasn't he? I mean, in terms of in terms of performance. Yeah, in terms of performance, certainly. Um, and you know, and he's more of a pitchability guy. He's, he's good. He's got a good body. You know, he's he'll be up there in the low 90s at times, but he's he's not an overpowering guy. Um, I mean, Mike Myers, I think, uh, is ranked ranked ahead of him, and, and Trey Massey, both those guys ranked ahead of him on Jim's list. Right. Um, 
but uh, more, the other right-handers that were ahead of him were, were relievers. So um, you're right. I mean, it's it's a weak class. The, the next guy I think that's on the Team USA list is Trevor Williams, who is a guy that I frankly um, am, am not completely sold on yet. You know, I think he's uh, uh, I think he's got arm strength. He'll run it up to 94, 95, but he doesn't miss a lot of bats. Um, people this summer weren't enamored with him, but he's you know he's he's the next guy by default. So I mean that tells you something. Let's talk about that real quick, Aaron. The you know USA team came into some fire in 2011. USA Baseball did for the short duration of the college national team and the lack of quality of its opponents. And it felt like in 2012, USA Baseball really, I thought, addressed those concerns with the five-game series against Cuba. And they went to Harlem Hawkball Week and played Cuba a couple more times. And you know that's a pretty big. Assignment, pretty big task, and a, a very good test. That's better competition than you're going to see anywhere else if you're playing Cuba, especially in Cuba. Yeah. And next summer's USA team will have a five-game series. Uh, the plan is against Cuba, uh, whether it's here in the Triangle area or whether it's around the rest of the country, whichever it's going to be. That's the plan. See if that gets followed through on. Um, you know, and, and that's not USA baseball's concern. That's really Cuba. <laughs> whether Cuba shows up or not to me is a big question. Um, right. But how did you, how, it felt like it was an important year for USA Baseball to have that strong schedule. And it feels like, you know, maybe it wasn't the greatest USA team of all time, but it feels like they got most of the top players to go play for them. And like you said, there just weren't a lot of shortstops in this class. Um, you know, and I guess if you have, people haven't followed it, they went to uh, Harlem Honkball Week and what they finished second place. In Harlem right. Honkball, they wound up losing a lot of close games because of their bullpen, basically, against Cuba, uh, for lack of, to summarize their summer. Uh, successful summer for USA team? Uh, yeah, for, mixed. For mixed summer, it seems like. Mixed bag. I mean, you know, and the thing is, the thing that I think those guys are, are kicking themselves over is they had had, you know, one or two more shut down power arms in the bullpen. If they had gotten a guy like Colby Suggs, for instance, that's exactly the guy they needed. You know, yep. they needed that, that bullpen you know, bulldog, just come right at you with, here's, here's 96, here's a hammer, you know, try to hit it. Um, they didn't have that. They tried to, they tried to make a couple of, um, you know, starting guys into relievers, and, and Bobby Wall has proven he could do that in the past. He was lights out last summer uh, in a relief role in, in the Cape, but, uh, you know, he wasn't at full strength this year. The workload kind of got to him, and um, that hurt them a lot, and that was probably the difference between, you know, a mixed bag summer and a very successful summer is they just didn't quite have it in the bullpen. Let's go along to the Cape because, uh, you know, the, the Cape Cod League is the granddaddy of them all. It's the gold standard of summer college baseball. Therefore, it gets 30 prospects. Uh, we added some video to the to it this year. If you're not already a subscriber and if you like the draft, you know, subscribers get, uh, what is it, uh, 30 scouting reports plus, you know, what do we have, video of like 15, 16 guys? It might be 20, 22. It's, it's, uh, I think it's more than two-thirds. It's an impressive, uh, it's an impressive display of uh, Baseball America flexibility as we <laughs> try to catch up here in uh, in 2012 with some video. But Aaron, I think uh, you know, let's just start off with the fact that there are a lot of mid-major players and guys who are not from traditional power programs on the Cape Top 30. That seems like it happens a lot, um, but in the top 10. You don't always have, I mean, like you said, Seth Manea, there's a lot of parallels with him and, and Chris Sale. And uh, you know, where did kind of where did Seth come from? And, Sean Manea. Sean, I'm sorry. I'm looking right at it. I don't know who Seth Manea is. 
But tell, tell, tell our readers a little bit about Chaminea's background and then just how good could this Indiana State team be in 2013, which was obviously pretty good in 2012 as well. Yeah, you know, Manaya is a guy that uh, kind of emerged for them this spring, and, and he he had a nice spring. Um, you know, he was he was a weekend rotation guy, but he hadn't quite taken that leap until this summer. And I think a, a big reason for that um, was just that he, you know, he was able to kind of refine the secondary stuff. I mean, the velocity is very good. The velocity, I think, jumped a little bit this summer, too, from where it was in the spring. I seem to recall he was more of a 90-92 guy uh, in the spring, but... Uh, in the summer, you know, he was routinely up to 94, 96. Uh, slider, I think, is making progress. And, and he also, uh, you know, he, he made this, uh, uh, came up with this little kind of split changeup that he throws. And that's, that's really the only secondary pitch he threw in the All-Star game when I saw him this summer. Uh, and it was pretty it was pretty mean. I mean, it was 85, 86 miles an hour and diving down and had all kinds of movement on it. So, um, you know, that, uh, the development of the secondary stuff really helped him take that, that next step. And, um, you know, he's a guy that we talked with, with Rick Keller about him as his coach this spring. And, you know, he'd tell you he's got that angle. He's got the 90-92. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the command of the secondary, that was really what, what held him back. And, uh, and I think that's taking a step forward. He's got so much run and, and life on the fastball. Uh, he's deceptive. I mean, like Sale, he's, he's, he's long and you know, got that good extension and it makes it hard to pick the ball up. Um, I think he's he's exciting, you know, and he's, he's a great kid and he's, he's, everyone raves about his makeup. Um, there's, there's a lot to like about this guy. And that team, I mean, uh, they won 41 games last year. They were Missouri Valley conference champions. Are they the favorite coming into next year just because of Manaya and uh, who else is coming back for that team? I guess Kyle Roop is coming back for them. Is he not? I think, uh, Roop is coming back. Um, is Dakota Bacchus back, or is he uh, he's gone? Torgerson, I have to I have to go back and check at that. I, it's, a, it's a good question. Uh, I think both I think both those guys might be back, um, but uh, you know, and Bacchus is pretty good. I mean, he's your, your classic Friday night warrior kind of guy. Uh, and that's the thing is, Manaya wasn't even their Friday night guy this year. You know, he pitched on Saturdays, uh, but uh, they they could have some really good pitching. Um, I think Wichita State's another team to watch, though, in that conference. And Wichita ended up having five guys on our top prospect list this summer, kind of scattered around a, a, a variety of different leagues, too. They weren't all just stacked in one place. Uh, that's usually a pretty good indicator of a team that's got uh, reason to be excited in the following year. And Virginia Tech is another team, and, and Notre Dame. Those are two other teams that maybe you don't expect uh, to, to see high on these lists, and, and those guys also had a, a significant presence on our summer college league list. So those are three programs just looking at summer leagues as a snapshot that you might uh, might look forward to, to take steps forward next year. Yeah, UCLA and Texas A&M led all the teams with seven, Wichita State with five, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Virginia Tech with four. That's a press release that you are just sending out today, so you can look for that on a uh, sports information website near you because who knows if we'll ever post our own press release. Um, <laughs> that's just the way it is. But uh, 235 rankings on our website is also kind of a – kind of amazing um going back into the cape top 10 aaron so manaya is part of this um you know, a strength that you saw this in the area code games as well if you're looking for strength of the 2013 draft class uh there's high school outfielders but there's also left-handed pitching at the high school level it's pretty good and, and it seems like that's a strength somewhat of a strength at the college level you also have tom windle on this list some other lefties scattered around these summer league lists who sound pretty interesting uh, outfielders is the other one, I guess. 
Uh, Jim lined them up. Phil Irvin, uh, personal cheese ball of mine. Austin Wilson, uh, and then Aaron Judge at three, four, and six. I, and of course, I missed Kevin Zomek among the left-handers, um, who's the next starting pitcher on our Cape list. Um, Irvin, Wilson, and Judge. It just seems like it's so odd that Irvin, the five eleven, kind of almost tweener guy physically, would be ahead of Wilson and Judge. But I mean, the guy hits now, present hit tool and present power kind of has to get the edge on those other two guys, doesn't he? That's that's the difference maker. That's why he ended up ranking ahead of them. I mean, I think that you know those other guys, Judge and Wilson, looked apart more. Um, you know, and you wonder if Wilson, can he play center field? I think that's a big question because otherwise is he a little bit of a tweener? Uh, I think he can play center. I think he runs pretty well. Uh, I think he's got a lot of Barrett Barnes in him. You know, that's a guy that was a, what, a sandwich pick this year, I think, yep. at Texas Tech. Yep. Uh, one of my one of my favorite players to watch in the spring this, this year. I think he's, he was really dynamic, and Irvin's kind of cut from that same cloth. Um, but probably a little bit more hit tool. That's the difference there. I think he's better than, than Barnes because he's got more feel for hitting. Um, so, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you're talking about a guy that, even though he's a little undersized, he's got premium athleticism, he's got real bad speed. Um, he's, he's a nice, you know, well-rounded package, and there's less risk with him than there is with Wilson and, and, and Judge, although those guys would have more upside if they can figure it out. Aaron Judge is just so vexing to me. They had this scout comparing him physically to Giancarlo Stanton, and that's a great physical comparison, having seen Aaron Judge in person and having seen Giancarlo Stanton in person. At the same time, Giancarlo Stanton hits home runs falling out of bed, and Aaron Judge just can't seem to do it in games. He hit, what, four this spring for Fresno, none last summer in the Alaska League, five this summer in the Cape of the year where offense was juiced, where Tyler Horan tied the league Wood bat record with 16 home runs in a single season. What do you make of Aaron Judge? I think you nailed it. He's, in, he's a little bit of an enigma. You know, he's a guy that uh, has big raw power. You know, he homered twice this year off off Mark Appel. And, uh, and what did you say he ended up with in this spring, four. John? Four. He I mean, hit that's four. It. He, he had two, two home runs off Appel and two home runs in the other 57 games. That's it. So I mean, you know, he he's shown he showed in the Alaska League last year that he's got big power ability. He's, he's flashed it other times. I mean, he'll put on a show in BP. I think he can run and throw. Um, you know, he's, he's 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 a classic right field profile, kind of like Wilson. But both of those guys just need to they need to continue to cut down on their swing and miss, and they need to translate that power uh, into game action. And, and Wilson, I think, is really making progress with that. Um, probably more more rapidly than judges. Yeah, and the thing is, like, uh, just like Judge, even though they're both giant humans and they're both very good athletes, just like Judge maybe runs, at least his speed plays a little bit more than Wilson's. Wilson has yeah. a bigger arm. Um, they're enigmatic, like you said, and Jacoby Jones is right in there in terms of enigmatic outfielder. I mean, this is a guy who played a lot of second base at LSU, was very highly regarded as like a third baseman in high school. Uh, did he did he play third base as a freshman at uh, at LSU they, a little bit? They started him off a little bit at third base, and then they quickly decided he was a better fit at, at second, so they swapped him with Hanover. I mean, it's uh, it's unusual to me that uh, Jacoby Jones not unusual. He's a, he's more enigmatic. At least the other guys make contact. Jones, uh, why you know, it seems like Jones' ceiling is as good as any. I, I think it was. It feels like it was pretty clear. Manaya, top pitcher, Colin Moran with that handsy pure, natural feel for hit. The only question for him is, 
just how much power will be there and how good of a defensive third baseman will he be. But it feels like everyone feels like that guy's going to hit. But everything yeah. else after this, it almost feels like you could justify any ranking after two in the Cape. I think you're right. I think that's a good way to put it. You know, I mean, um, Jacoby Jones is an up-the-middle guy who uh, who showed some real bad speed this summer. Um, I think he's making progress as a hitter. He's, he's starting to refine some of those rough edges. Um, he's exciting. I, I think, you know, Jeff Hoffman is the guy that I, I was really excited about at the, at the All-Star I mean, a big, you know, long, projectable right-hander with, uh, um, you know, flash mid-90s heat and, and, a, and a, I think a really good breaking ball as well. He's got feel for a change. He's only a sophomore, but that's a guy to keep an eye on for next year. He, um, sounds, he sounds really, really interesting. In fact, I think I'd almost throw ultra-projectable on him, one of your favorite phrases. Yeah, you're right. That, that would fit, that would fit uh, Hoffman, and he's already showing you present velocity, so you don't have to even project that much. Um, and then, and I, I think Colby Suggs. Uh, is, is a guy who can probably get to the big leagues pretty quickly as a reliever. I mean, the, the problem is he's a reliever only. He's probably not going to be a starting pitcher, um, which which you know hurts his value compared to some of these other guys. But there's still value in, in, a, in a safe college reliever who throws hard and has a really good breaking ball and, and is fearless. So um, I could see him going in, in the first round as, as you know as, as a quick to the big leagues kind of guy. I tell you, that East Carolina program, I, you know, I think we think Billy Goblin's did a really nice job kind of grinding through. They've, got, they've really had some uh, they've had some flashes there. They kind of, I don't know if I have to say they underperformed, but I think we all thought there'd be a little bit more there this year, but they had some injury issues in their pitching staff. And offensively, the last couple of years, they've kind of been very hit or miss. But between uh, having guys like Reinheimer and McDonald being juniors next year, uh, the excitement that has to be about Jeff Hoffman, getting Deshaun Lake back, hopefully getting a little bit more out of him. He had a pretty rough uh, freshman season. Um, and then getting the left-hander back, Tyler Joyner, back as a senior next year. Yeah. That could be a pretty intriguing ball club. I think you're right. I think you're, you're, you're right, absolutely. They've got some uh, some young players. They've got a, a mix of veterans. I mean, I, I really thought they were going to be pretty good this year. I mean, because they had – uh, well, they have something like eight starters back in their lineup. Uh, yeah, they, they had, had Brandt, and they had uh, you know the, the catcher Zach Ryback. So they lose they lose Wright, they lose Brandt, a couple of key John seniors. They, they get John, John Wooten back as a senior. I mean, he's a nice, solid college guy. He hit nine home runs I last think he year. He signed, didn't he, John? John Wooten. I guess I, I, I'll double check that. I was going to tell you that Torgerson was not drafted, but Dakota Bacchus, Bacchus did signed the ninth rounder. I saw as that. Did, uh, Indiana State catcher Jeremy Lucas in the twelfth round. And then Lucas was a very good player for them, too. He was, he was one of their key guys for sure in the middle of the Luke lineup. did sign as a 37th rounder. It's a good call, but uh, that's, that's a blow for the uh, for the Pirates. Yeah. But nonetheless, I think you're right. I think they're, they're a program to watch next year. And, uh, you know, Conference USA should be interesting. I mean, once again, you're looking at, at Rice uh, you know, in the Catbird seat. And, and I think Southern Miss, with that great recruiting class they brought in last year, yep. I expect a lot of those players to take steps forward. Mason Robbins. Uh, becoming a star, you know, you're, we're seeing it now. It happened, started to happen more in the Cape after a strong freshman year. That guy is going to be a, a, a really outstanding player next year, I think. Real pure hitter. That guy could just yep. flat out hit. He could do it in high school. He may not be the most athletic joker in the world, but I think he's a little bit more athletic than people think he is, and he can he can really just a pure hitter. Really, this is the state of Mississippi again. I mean, uh, Ole Miss with a couple of guys we've already talked about, um, in Myers and Bobby Wall. Uh, they had Buchanan, uh, who's an intriguing 2014 well, we, you know, drafted player out of high school, big giant uh, donkey of a pitcher. Uh, feels like the SEC, Aaron, um, is going to be you know, the SEC again, and uh, this might be a decent opportunity 
to throw in when we're talking Southeastern Conference because Vanderbilt has a lot of guys on this list. Conrad Greger, they got yeah. Mike Yastrzemski back, uh, Tyler Beattie, an extra year of, uh, of experience. Uh, Tony Kemp is back. Kevin Stoneck. The, the, the way they finished last year, I think we expect the Commodores to be very good. Um, but obviously the big news in the offseason in the Southeastern Conference was Ray Tanner's retirement. And uh, not retirement, but leaving baseball coaching to be the athletic director at South Carolina and the promotion of Chad Holbrook to uh, you know the head coaching job there. Obviously, Chad has been an assistant coach of the year for us. I, I think we're both pretty confident that Chad Holbrook will be a, a good head coach. At the same time, can he keep South Carolina at this absurdly high level that they have reached the last three seasons with the three straight trips to the finals and two championships? i got to imagine – there's going to be a step back because they don't have the, the, the cornerstone guys anymore. I mean, Roth and Price in particular, those are, okay. those are guys with the foundation. Um, so, you know, I, I think that uh, they have a lot of young talent. They're going to be very good. They're going to be competitive. I could see them, you know, they're going to be back in regionals for sure. They're going to win 40 games like they do every year. Um, but are they going to be, you know, in, in the championship series again or the College World Series? I don't think so. I mean, to me, the guys who were their key guys were Walker, Marzilli, Roth, Price. All four of those guys are gone. I mean, I know that Joey Pancake and Tanner English and Grayson Griner were starters and everyday guys this year and guys they counted on. And they're, of course, back and they'll be sophomores and all that. But it's just going to be a fundamentally different Gamecock group without Ray Tanner and without those four core, that core four, um, if we could make a Yankees reference. Going to be, going to be, and, and are are there any South Carolina guys on any of these summer league lists? I know that they don't really send their guys out no. to play too much anymore. No, they didn't have any. But uh, I, I do know that there was a. I did consider a player in the Coastal Plain League got some support. Graham Psycho, I believe is how you pronounce his name, S A I K O, who was originally at Oklahoma State, then at a junior college, and now transferring into South Carolina. Um, he got some support in the Coastal Plain League, but uh, did not ultimately make the list. It's the Baseball America podcast with John Manuel and Aaron Fitt. Aaron, let's go on to the California Collegiate League. That's where, obviously, your base. You did that top ten, um, and you wrote about some of those guys. Uh, you wrote a, a nice piece during the year on Daniel Mengden and Gandy Stubblefield of Texas A&M. But Cody Dixon, once again, a Sam Houston State player, a player from Texas. I think they had Texas State players uh, who've been very successful out there uh, with the Foresters. It feels like... Uh, Bill Pintard, the, the Foresters, won the NBC World Series. You've got like this pipeline of talent into Texas. Yeah. Guys from guys from the University of Texas have played there. Texas State, uh, now Sam Houston State, and Rice too. And Rice too. You're right. Tell us about uh, Cody Dixon out of Santa Barbara. Uh, the Foresters out of, out of junior left-hander at Sam Houston State. Uh, does he have a chance to bust into the couple of first couple of rounds of the 2013 draft? I think if he can continue to refine his his command, then yes. I mean that's the that's the key for him. You know, this was a guy that was their Friday night guy starting starting the year at, at Sam Houston State, and uh, they were very excited about his ability. Um, and he, he pitched very well in the first half, and then he kind of hit some some uh, some bumps in the road. You know, he couldn't throw strikes consistently, and he, he ended up losing his job. Uh, and and he, by the end of the year, he was a midweek guy. So he kind of regrouped this summer, um, pitched very well in the NBC World Series. I mean, he's, he's a guy with a power arm from the left side. he show you, you know, 95 or 96 at times. Um, you know, he's got a few for three pitches. Uh, but, he's he, you know, there's some risk with this guy. He, like I said, he's got to be able to um, 
iron out the mechanics a little bit and, and throw strikes more consistently. So, I mean, I think there's the other guys on this list are a little bit safer. I think Mengden and Stubblefield on the right side, the, the two Aggies, two of the seven Aggies in our summer college league list. Right. Um, those, those guys are exciting. Those guys might both be weekend starters for A&M. And, um, you know, I think Texas Arlington had two players on this list as well. John Beck, uh, uh, a little bit of a less physical but uh, athletic, quick-armed righty uh, for, for the Foresters. And, and, and Matt Shortall uh, for San Luis Obispo, the Blues, um, kind of a you know prototypical right field profile if he can if he can refine his hit tool a little bit he's got power and he can really throw so he's kind of an exciting guy too. Now I know a lot about the uh, Foresters program with Bill uh, Coach Pintard. Tell me a little bit about the San Luis, San Luis Obispo Blues. I mean this is as you wrote consistently the second best team if not the best regular season team in this league. But now you know I, 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 Santa Barbara obviously kind of stands alone considering they've won back to back. NBC World Series, and they've won what three or four in the last few years. I mean, it's a, it's kind of yeah. become the best summer ball team that goes to the NBC. It's the best program year in and year out uh, out of the teams that, out of the league that send teams to the NBC World Series. But talk, tell us a little bit about the SLO and their, that program. Who's who's building that, and how they've gotten so consistent in terms of uh, players and talent, and then uh, winning summer college games. Well, Chow Fanning has done a fantastic job there. You know, former uh, pitching coach at Missouri, and you know, who he's got some Big 12 connections that he uses. I mean, Coach Childress likes to send his guys up there. He sent uh, uh, Ross Stripling there a few years ago, and Stripling really developed the change up under Chow Fanning's tutelage and really helped him become the the dominant guy that he became. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a great place to play. You're up on the coast, and you know, people love going up there. Um, How's the marine layer in SLO? The, the marine layer, I, I suspect, it probably suppresses offense, um, <laughs> like everywhere else. Although it's been a hot summer out here, it's been uh, the marine layer probably less of a factor this year than most. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know they do a really good job up there. And two years in a row now, they've tied the Foresters for the, the you know the regular season championship in the, in the Cal Collegiate League. Um, the Foresters before that, I think, had won nine in a row. I think so, you're right. You know, that sounds about right. So this is. This is serious progress. Um, that league is becoming more competitive. I think Team Vegas, you know, Buck Thomas is doing a fantastic job over there. There were a couple other guys around the league that, that didn't crack the top ten, but, you know, Conejo had a couple of good players, and, uh, you know, the Academy Barons had a couple of guys, and, you know, even Orange County. Um, you know, those teams still lag far behind Santa Barbara and, and San Luis Obispo, but, um, you know, the gap is closing, and, and Vegas especially. They're doing a really good job out there. And Aaron, I did the Coastal Plain League. And that's uh, you know that that is a league where uh, 14 teams that league and it's like its 15th season. It's a big league, and uh, it's, it's a it's a league that and, and its alumni has got so it used to be a league where the, a lot of the top players were freshmen from ACC and SEC programs. But as summer college baseball has expanded and really just mushroomed, and there's so many leagues, those players even they go to the Cape more often than not now. And the you know the coastal plain league and all these other leagues either still get a few of those freshmen or more often than not the best players in those leagues are rising seniors and there are a lot of those. Um, we went with the younger guy, the Andrew Isler, the right hander out of Duke, smaller, quick arm guy, uh, dominated the league in a short uh, six start stint. Um, he had three complete games out of his six starts, although one of them I think was a five or six inning you know complete game. Um, but he's he's a pretty interesting joker. But 
Anyone on my top ten on that uh, Coastal Plain League top ten jump out to you as a uh, uh, who, who really impressed you? The two guys I really like. Well, there's several guys on this list I like, but uh, Reed Harper at Austin P. I think is uh, um, he's been a fantastic college player for a few yep. years now. He's really a, one of the guys that makes them go. And they've had a they've had a couple of very good teams there. Um, you know, at, at, at Austin, Austin P. State yeah. And, they were what they were in the regional final this year. I'm pretty sure up at Eugene, didn't they? I think it was uh, two. I think it was last, the year before last. So 2011 was where they were at the regional final at Georgia Tech and lost to Mississippi State. But then they went back to regionals this year. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. You're right. Yeah, and then they. That's right. They were up at Eugene and they gave Oregon a real run for their money and, and I think uh, were uh, victimized by some, some shoddy umpiring. But right. anyway, they, they had a good program up there and he's he's really a, a guy that swing the bat and I don't know that he's a shortstop at the next level I think you don't think he is either but um, you know but he can he can play uh, and I think Gunner, Gunner Hyde is an interesting sleeper uh, number 10 guy on this list from Forest City um, you know over college at Charleston a guy that doesn't uh, doesn't have you know huge tools but he can run he's athletic um, sounds like he can pick a little bit I mean Sounds like both those guys are guys you like a little bit as well, right? Yeah, I do. And I, the, the, to me, the most interesting story there was Jake Stone, who was a league batting champion, uh, had the game-winning hit in the NAIA World Series for Tennessee Wesleyan in the spring. And this is a guy who hits. Uh, it's a guy I talked to a couple of people about him, uh, you know, coaches in the league who'd seen him in high school. He's from Topsail Beach, North Carolina, so he played at a really small high school, a 1A school, Lowest classification in the state. Uh, so he's at a, from a coastal community. He wound up going to uh, a, a relatively new uh, junior college program, J- JC of the Albemarle, uh, in, up in Elizabeth City, which is again not a so not a program that has a lot of uh, has always had a lot of heat or a lot of tradition. So he's been under the radar for a while. Didn't have the grades to go Division One, according to my information. Wound up at Tennessee Wesleyan. But all he does is, is keep on hitting. He was All-State in, in high school. He was an All-NJCAA choice in junior college because he hit. And, uh, you know, hit 400 Tennessee Wesleyan and 375 this summer. And he's not a slug. He's 6'2", 200. He's not a great athlete. You know, opposing coaches in the Coastal Plain League all said, you know, if you tried to bunt on him, he'd field the play. He was a very – he was capable at third base. The game might speed up on him at the pro level. We'll see. Uh, but talk to the scout who thought that you know this is a guy at the very least has a good chance to hit in pro ball. Where he what, where he profiles, not sure. But the hitters hit, and this guy is hitterish. Yeah. So yeah. he's, he's going to be a real guy to watch going forward. Uh, you know, you look at the major leagues right now, and there are a lot. You know, there was a guy, uh, uh, Matt Eddie, and I were just talking about Warren. Maybe you've seen him with the Padres, left-hander Werner. His name is Werner. Left-hander, he's a, a sign out of a Division II Indianapolis. <laughs> you know, uh, I think he was an indie ball fine for the Padres, just pitching in the big leagues right now. I never heard of him, obviously. His last name is Verna, W-E-R-N-E-R. Um, that's a D2 guy. And you, I looked him up because Matt Eddie had brought him up to me. I'd never heard of him. And he was 13th in Division II in uh, in uh, strikeouts one year. And the leader in, in the country that year at D2 was Mike Fires. now in the big huh. leagues with uh, the Brewers. One of three players from the 2000, I believe it's 2009, Nova Southeastern team in the major leagues. J.D. Martinez, Mike Fires, right. and Miles Nicholas, who has already appeared in the big leagues with the Padres, now back in the minors. Uh, but three guys from one Division II team from 2009 in the big leagues. I mean, Amazing. 
it is crazy. There are some real there's a, there's a a decent amount of small college D2 and NAIA jokers in the big leagues right now and uh it's intriguing. Uh but that league the Coastal Plain League's better prospects for all some some low 90s velocity guys like a Chris McHugh, uh Andrew Brockett who touched 95 against the USA baseball team, uh Dale Innes, a former Clemson recruit, 88-91 with a good curveball, touched a 3 here and there. Um and again, I mentioned East Carolina. Zach Houchins will be transferring to East Carolina. Should help that infield and should help that offense. Um, so some interesting guys in that league. Um, here in the Northwoods League, year in and year out, is probably the most consistent other league other than the Cape in terms of depth, certainly, and in terms of high-end prospects. Um, you know, they're they're usually right there. Um, kind of a uh, it seems like it wasn't maybe the best year for. Uh, Northwoods League prospect it was a good year, but not uh, up to some of its past standards. Uh, but Derek Fisher, uh, you know, unsigned six runner out of high school, leads that leads the way in that league. I think our listeners maybe know something about Derek Fisher. Who's maybe another uh, talk a little bit maybe about him and uh, where he might fit in for that 2014 draft class. But then also uh, I, I maybe pick another cheese ball or two out of the Northwoods yeah. League. I think Fisher's got a real chance to be a first-round guy in two years. I mean, it's uh, it's what you look for, you know, in, in a corner outfielder. He can he can run and throw and hit for power. Uh, the power is really the calling card. That's that's the tool that's going to carry him. Uh, I think he's I think he's a right field profile, and uh, you know, and, and he hit a lot more, John. He hit a lot more as a freshman than I expected to. Um, yeah, for a guy who had the reputation of the swing and miss that he had. I agree. I thought he actually would. I thought he would like crater, like get in the ACC and get off to a decent start, and then Ward would get around about how you pitch to him, and he'd, and he'd end up hitting like 230 with a bunch of strikeouts. He didn't do that. He was he was fairly steady. He hit more than than UVA expected him to. I mean, I think they they you know they'll tell you going into the year they thought uh, Mike Pompey was going to be the guy who made the bigger impact of their freshman than, than Fisher. They thought Fisher you know was was very raw and needed a lot of work, and he really developed quickly, and that's a test to his ability and his aptitude. So, very good sign for his future. Uh, I think the two big West guys right behind him are both very interesting. I think Matt Chapman, to me, is, is another guy that I, uh, just has a, an innate feel for the barrel. You know, he hits. That's what he does. He plays shortstop, too, and he plays a solid shortstop. I don't think he's, he's a, you know, a big league shortstop kind of a guy, but, uh, but he really can swing the bat, and he does have good actions. He's one of Rick Vanderhoek's favorite players, I think, on that team. He played just about every day as a freshman. Um, and Richard Prigatano in Long Beach State was a huge commit from Northern California. Um, he's another guy that, that can, can really hate. He's got a nice swing and he's got power potential. Although, you know, the numbers might not show up a whole lot at Blair Field. Um, but, that, you know, Long Beach has produced some power hitters, of course. We've, we've seen that. Um, once they get out of Blair Field, you know, some of those guys, uh, they can blossom. So uh, he's a very exciting player as well. I think Casey Gillespie, uh, Connor's little brother, uh, further down this list, Wichita State, he's, he's one to watch. Um, and, and, and Jarek Studer, Texas Christian, uh, very exciting physical two-way player. like both those guys a lot, too. Yeah, Jarek Studer of the Border Cats, one of my favorite team names in summer college baseball. There are a few good ones, but uh, the Thunder Bay Border Cats, is uh, that one stands out for me, uh, one of my favorites. Uh, that, that's a, that thought was a younger, one of the things I liked about that was a very young, uh, top 10 list. The West Coast League's another, another league like that, Aaron, where it really feels like they're, uh, you know, if you want to put it in moneyball terms, they're, uh, you know, their, their niche, uh, as a summer college league 
is to kind of find these uh, rising senior, uh, rising freshmen, I should say, high school seniors, and give them their uh, a chance to get their feet wet in uh, college baseball. And four of their top five prospects were high school seniors, rising freshmen, except for Felipe Perez, who wound up signing uh, as an NDFA with the Diamondbacks as opposed to going to, to UCLA. Uh, West Coast League really seems like a, one of the more impressive leagues. I know you, you were familiar with several of those guys, the Hunter Virant, Caprillion, guys that you'd uh, uh, written about, I believe, for our for our draft coverage yeah. this year. Yeah, the top five guys on this list are all players that are – I've written about the last two years of the draft preview and, and guys I like. I mean, um, I was a little surprised to see Sparks, uh, frankly, ahead of Hunter Varant and James Caprillion on this list uh, because Sparks really struggled as a freshman at UC Irvine. Um, but he was a top 200 guy out of high school in Huntington Beach, uh, mostly for the power. I mean, it's uh, he's, he's a guy that profiles at third base, um, but he had a lot of you know, a, a lot of refining to do as a hitter. His approach needed work, and, and he made big progress in the West Coast League, and that's why he's at the top of this list. A um, lot, of, lot of upside with this guy. Who do, you, uh, who do you like better, Taylor Sparks or Ryan Healy going forward? Oh, Sparks for me. Okay, I mean, okay. I, you know, Healy's, Healy's the John Manuel cheese ball, I he think. Is. Um, but who is, it, who is it Healy was compared to? Scott Rowland that, that Scott year? Scott Rowland. The Count Collegiate A little high. Scott little Rowland. High. That wasn't uh, mine. <laughs> no, that came straight from a scout, who will remain but, nameless. Uh, but uh, but Sparks, I think, yeah, I mean, he's to me, I feel like he's he's, he's younger and just has a little more projection still, frankly. Um, and then you know, Verant and, and Caprillion and Cole, Cole Irvin, all guys that have really good fuel for pitching. That's what, what stands out. I mean, these are guys that are all projection guys, all three of them. You know, they're not present stuff guys as much as they are projection guys. Um, and then the same is true of Perez. I mean, Perez has, has probably even more feel for pitching than than Ferrant and Irvin at this point. I mean, I think he uh, he's got. I think his stuff is, is very well refined. I was very surprised that he signed. Uh, um, you know, the reason that he went undrafted is because scouts were pretty convinced that he was going to be a very difficult sign away from UCLA. He was an academic-oriented kid. Went to a small private high school out here in Orange County, um, and uh, you know, people just thought that he was. He was going to go to school and and give the Diamondbacks credit. Their their scouting staff did a fantastic job staying on this guy. They had some extra money that they didn't spend in their bonus pool, and and they were able to get him done for a lot less than people expected. Um, you know, it was still a good chunk of change, but great job with that scouting staff. You, you know. Yeah, that was a surprise. I mean, does that does that affect UCLA? You think any for 2013? It doesn't seem like it does. I mean, you know, Put goes back. Dave Bug is back. Um, he. You know, he might not have pitched much this year, and that might be one reason he decided to to sign. I mean, they might have realized, hey, where am I gonna where am I gonna fit in when they've got Plutko, Vanderteig, Zach Weiss, um, you know, David Berg, Hunter Varant. Now, now you got Varant and Caprillion in there. I mean, where do I fit in? Um, maybe that's one reason that they were able to get him. But that's, that's uh, what I wondered. I wonder if he went to that West Coast League and saw those other guys. I mean, he knew those other guys, but then he was like, wait a minute, if you really do the math. It wouldn't be a real challenge for him to pitch at all as a freshman, and it wouldn't be handed to him as a sophomore. And when you get $400,000 in pro ball, innings are handed to you. You will pitch. They, you know, you might be getting rocked, but unless you, if you don't go over 30, in, 30 pitches an inning, that organization is going to send you out there until you get to your pitch count, and then they'll take you out in this, when you're in the South Atlantic League. And so right. it's, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, obviously in college baseball where there's a little bit more, well, a lot more emphasis on winning. 
exactly. That's that's the priority. I mean, you know, yes, you, you develop talent, but it's a means to an end. You develop talent so that you can a recruit more talent, and b so that you can win in two or three years. Um, so you know, whereas in pro ball, your your objective in the minor leagues is to develop talent. Period. Um, so it's just a different animal. But I think uh, I think this list is exciting. I like this list a lot. Me too. Um, I was surprised. The, the comment from the scout that, that Connor had in his intro that said they, they thought it was just kind of an average year in the West Coast League. I thought it was a pretty good year. I mean, I, I like this list quite a bit. Even even Tommy Eshelman, the number 10 guy, is an interesting, interesting joker, you'd say. Um, you know, go, going to Cal State Fullerton. I like this Cal State Fullerton recruiting class, um, you know, with the uh, – um, Kid Justin Garza, I think, is going to be a, a superstar in college. I mean, uh, you know, talking about a five foot ten, five eleven. I mean, not might not even be that tall. He might be shorter than that. He's he's small, but he's electric. He'll show you ninety four. He's not on any, any of these lists. I'm veering off topic, but the point is, That's Fullerton. Okay. Uh, Fullerton, I think, did a good job with the recruiting out here this year. They could be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously a big uh, kind of. We're going back to the beginning of the podcast, but I mean, one of the big question marks for them will be Michael Lorenzen. Yeah, I hope he has some confidence after this summer because he didn't hit with the USA team, lost his job, went to the Cape, didn't hit there either. And uh, he had a, a pretty forgettable summer. There have been a lot of players who've had forgettable summers and have come back. You know, I'm looking at uh, guys like Drew Meyer from the past or Reese Havens had a bad summer in the Cape one year and still came back and had a great uh, college uh, junior season. So you don't have to tear it up in the summer, uh, but it doesn't hurt. Speaking of tearing it up in the summer, Aaron, did anybody in summer college baseball? We don't do a summer college player of the year uh, anymore. We used to. I think it's just kind of an oxymoron to say summer college player of the year. Um, but if we chose one just based on pure season and uh, don't, even if you factor in a little bit of uh, of uh, uh, you know quality of opposition, quality of play, does anybody rule summer college baseball more than Hunter Renfro, uh, the Mississippi <laughs> State? All-time cheese ball who just who got his number retired in the Clark Griffin in the Cal Ripken League this summer. Yeah, that was something else. Uh, what did he, he finish with? 19 home runs between the regular season and the postseason. Yeah, uh, with a wood bat. I mean, that's incredible. I know that those are tiny little ballparks they play in in that league, and um, and the balls were probably juiced. But uh, that's a, a lot of home runs, and and this guy's got three plus tools right now. He's I think he's got I think he's got not just plus, I think he has three sevens, Aaron. I really do. I think he's a seven arm. I think he's only I think he's only I think a he's six, a six runner. runner. You're right. Four one to the, from the right side is a six runner. But he's a six runner, he's a seven thrower and he's a You're right. It's like a seven raw power. That's a good point. It might be eight raw pa- raw power. Because he, he hits them far. Um, and, and and you know, I think he's he's found a home in the outfield and that was the problem part of the problem his freshman year was you know is he a catcher is he a right-handed pitcher you know what is he um and and he was just so raw in every facet that uh it took some time for him to figure it out and he still is and that that rawness to the hitting tools why he's not our number one guy in the ripkin league he's behind kj hockaday uh at maryland and mike zagunas of virginia tech and both those guys have some real hitting polish especially hockaday yeah. Um, and then Zagunas um, you know, has a chance to stay behind the plate. So to me, you could any of these three guys could have been one, two, or three. You put them in a pot. Um, you could stir, stir those guys. So if you want the upside guy, you'd go Renfro. If you want a little more polished bat, Hockaday and Zagunas, and they also play in the dirt or behind the plate. So 
you know, uh, I can see why those guys uh, get the ranking they do. But in a year, in a year, or in a world where college prospects don't have, there aren't that many guys with, with big tools in college baseball. Is there anybody else in college baseball, Aaron, who's got two sevens and a six, who are Ooh. position players like Renfro? I think you could maybe throw uh, Austin I mean, Wilson, maybe or Judge. Austin Wilson or Chris Bryant or, or Aaron Judge. I mean, Chris Bryant, you know, he's probably got seven raw power, seven arm. Um, he's probably a 50 runner underway. He's not a 60, so he didn't quite measure up to Renfro, but uh, he's, but he's also more advanced as a hitter. But no um, doubt, no doubt. But when you put to me. When you put, when you were putting a list together, we're putting our top 100 college. Those right fielders, the Judge, Judge Wilson, Bryant, probably going to be a future right fielder. Um, we're lining up those guys, and some of the other outfielders. Renfro is going to be right in that mix, because tools-wise, he's and if he has any kind of junior season in the SEC with those tools, somebody's going to bite very high in next year's draft on him. And, and like I was saying, I just think that now that he's got a home in the outfield, I think it, it has allowed him to, to really kind of blossom. And, and you know, I, I made my little Southeastern Conference swing this spring, and uh, I, I saw one game in Starkville on a Sunday, and, and Renfro was playing center field because C.T. Bradford was hurt. And it was my first look at Renfro in the outfield, and, you know, lo and behold, he makes a spectacular play where he, he goes back and, you know, times the ball perfectly and leaps up and, and steals a home run, brings it back over the fence. Uh, I think it was Matt Snyder who hit that ball. Um, so, you know, I mean, it was just a quick look, but but I came away saying, wow, I mean, this guy, he's got a chance out there. I mean, you could see the kind of athlete that he is. I mean, I, I feel like he's, he's, he's kind of a Jim Edmonds body type. Um, you know, he's, he's maybe a better runner than Edmonds. He's, he's a right-handed hitter, but, um, you know, I think he can be that kind of a, of a player out there if, if he can, if those instincts continue to come. Yeah, he's. I don't. I don't know what kind of player he is. I, mean, I, I like the body comp there. I always think of Jim Edmonds drawing a lot of walks. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that no. uh, that Hunter Renfro is ever going to have that kind of feel for hit. But I mean, to me, he's almost like a Preston Wilson type, a, center, a guy who might be a center fielder uh, at the next level. If he's a six runner and if he can play center field. You, he's frankly, he's almost. I know he doesn't run. I mean, Drew Stubbs is an eight runner, but he might wind up a Drew Stubbs type. Not as much, yeah. not as much run, but big power. It's a different, it's a different body type, but I think he could be that kind of a player. I think that's a good call. I think the the tool grade might end up being pretty similar, uh, with the exception of like you said, Stubbs is is a much better runner. Uh, and I just think I think of Stubbs. I think of he's you know more more lanky, more leverage, right. a leaner athlete. But this guy's yeah. quick twitch. He is, yeah. honest, obviously, Hunter Renfro, to me, is like the most intriguing college player in college baseball because the tools and the upside are so huge, and he's yet he is so raw, and the hit tool is a giant question mark. And uh, I, I, for one, am really – I'm very intrigued by his upside and what he can do. I don't know if there's a, if there's a uh, Hunter Renfro caliber cheese ball for you on any of these other summer league <laughs> lists, seeing as how my – Hunter Renfro cheese ball uh, uh, fandom is quite high. <laughs> Anybody even approach that for you, Fitzy? <laughs> uh, taking a quick peek over these lists, see who jumps out at me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just say this: if I'm if I'm picking a summer college player of the year, and it's not Hunter Renfro, uh, I think I and I think I probably would take this guy anyway. I think it'd be Sean Manaya. Um, you know, just because I think of he would probably win the award because he really dominated. 
he dominated in the Cape in an incredible hitter's year. Um, that's the guy, I think. And, and uh, you know, as far as a, a cheese ball, a pick to click, I mean, How about Nigel Newtbar? I know you like that name. Nigel Newtbar. I, I am a big Nigel Newtbar fan. Um, I like Aaron Brown toward the back of Jim's Cape list. If I had to ah, pick a guy good out. pick. Uh, left-handed pitcher slash outfielder. Really, I thought he. I really liked him as an outfielder last year, um, but he's. I always thought he had a chance as a pitcher as well. And even in high school, there were there were scouts who liked him both ways. The, the, the consensus had him uh, as a better prospect, and it's kind of a right field type. But um, the guy's a great athlete. He's got a fast arm, and uh, you know he'll show you a really good slider, and and you'll run the fastball up to I don't know 93, 94. Um, he's exciting. I think he he's one of those guys who could be a legit prospect from either side. You, that, that's a good call. You do you have been a an Aaron Brown proponent for a couple of years here. Uh, real quick, a couple of these older leagues: Alaska League, Jayhawk League, Valley League. These leagues have been around a long time. Uh, felt like it was a little bit better year than usual in the Jayhawk League. A little more raw, prospecty. Uh, maybe just a like better job by our <laughs> by our reporters than when I did the Jayhawk League, finding the younger guys. Anyone from those leagues uh, jump out to you? The Alaska League seems pretty interesting with Brandon Shipley, uh, Braden Shipley, I should say, at the top. And, of course, uh, some projectable arms in Freeland, Newt Barr, and Tickle. Yeah, it's a good group of arms. I think Trey Tickle, um especially, is a guy that uh, I think could have a big year at TCU. I think, I think Newt Barr is going to have a good year at USC also. I mean, they've got Newt some, Barr. They've got some holes to fill in that rotation now. Now that Andrew Triggs is gone and Ben Mount is gone and, and uh, the left-hander Tarpley has transferred, big loss for them, um, I think Newt Barr could be a, a key piece of that weekend rotation. Certainly got to watch there. It is a big loss for them. Uh, Stephen Tarpley, I believe, is his first name, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Transferred to what, a junior college in Arizona? He is at a junior college. I think it is Arizona, yeah. I think he transferred to junior I'm pretty sure he's junior college and, and, and draft eligible for 2013, so that's a – a, a loss for the Trojans, who, of course, could use some good breaks. But uh, Kyle Freeland, again, uh, from the state of Indiana, not, uh, Indiana State, but another guy just sounds really fascinating to me. I mean, led the team as a, in strikeouts as a freshman, uh, 35 scoreless innings this summer. Uh, and then Newt Barr, who you know, comes from a, obviously his, his uh, uncle's or his grandfather's name is on the on the building. Teakle, th- those are some really, that seems like a good year in the Alaska League, some real upside yeah. arms. Uh, like that. Um, and I'll tell you where else it was a good league and another old league uh, is the Atlantic Collegiate Baseball League. Yeah. Uh, I, I like, I'm very intrigued by uh, the two Peterson twins at Temple, a guy that Absolutely. I'd like to read more about here. Um, you get the left-hander Patrick and the righty Eric uh, ranking four and five back-to-back on this list. Those guys are exciting. They are. Um, that's a good call. That's, that's a really neat sounding group of prospects for that league from the Savannah State kid, uh, Kyle McGowan. To the, to the the twins, like you mentioned, and then a guy that I think maybe our listeners might be more familiar with, Steve Goldstein, we all saw with Stony Brook. I mean, that guy's a really solid college yeah. player, and you could definitely you could see Steve Goldstein at least being a double A, triple A regular, maybe an up and down guy as a kind of a fourth sure. outfield grinder type. He'll play, he'll move over to center field this year and replace Travis Jankowski and kind of showcase his athleticism a little bit. Um, and, and then there's Brett Allen, who's really an, an X factor. I mean, a guy that. Uh, I think he was a six-round pick out of high school, just based on his tools. A Phillies draft, you know, they like their their tools guys, uh, but very raw. Has barely played in two years because how are you going to play in the outfield at UCLA with Kiefer and Amaral and and Jelic out there? There's no room. Um, well, those guys are gone now, so there's room. And and I think you know, we had Eric Filia Snyder on one of these lists also. 
and, and Brendan Allen, those guys uh, could be good players, but they uh, they took steps forward this spring. Allen's got bat speed and power. Uh, he can run a little bit, but the, the you know the, the key question is can the approach continue to improve? They definitely got to watch. Yeah, ninth rounder out of high school. I mean, ninth uh, rounder. Six two two oh five out of high school. Um, sounds like he's a little bit bigger than that. Runs well now. I mean, just a, he sounds really really interesting. So um, I, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that's a good way to end, kind of end the the podcast. Aaron is that feels like summer college baseball is watered down, and I feel like it is in some ways um, because there are just too many leagues. I mean, I shouldn't say too many, but there are just so many. There's been such an explosion in the volume of leagues, uh, the expansion has led to some dilution of talent. And when that happens, offense ticks up. Then you had the ball controversy that you've written about. We've all, I think, written a little bit about it um, with these diamond balls that these leagues use that were just saying, seemed like they just, the quality of the ball was not very high and the ball really jumped. Uh, so between the, to me, sort of the expansion and the ball were the two big, reasons why offense jumped this summer. But it, at the same time, I feel like you still can look around and find talent in all these leagues. It's right. That's right. And, and you know, it's, this is a worthwhile exercise. And our, our fleet of reporters, um, I thought, did a really good job this year. And I thought the quality of our reports was very high. Um, and I hope our readers enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm always a little skeptical of of uh, summer ball, but then the, the thing is, you read all these reports and you just get juice for it. So we definitely need to give credit where it's due. We have past interns like Bubba Brown, Mike Kanan, Mike Lemaire. Uh, who, am I, who am I leaving out from the past interns? Who Matt did? Foreman. Matt Foreman. Hello, granddaddy of them all. And then uh, current interns, uh, Andrew Krause. Uh, well, I guess I'll now former because they've all uh, all done except for Andrew Krause. Clint Longenecker, John Sandberg did a league top three, did he not? League top ten? Uh, he, he started to, but no, he did not. He wound up, yeah, because he, he did leave early. Uh, doggone Notre Dame and their academics. Uh, John had to go back to school early. But Pat Hickey. Um, so we had a, a, a raft of uh, current and past interns doing summer college league lists and coordinating it all for us, of course, uh, none other than Aaron Fitt uh, doing a great job. Um, and, and Peter Wardell, we should mention too, did the he did the Florida League and also provided uh, most of that video for the Cape Top Ten. Um, and Mike Cannon uh, provided some of that video as well. Those guys, um, big help this summer. Yeah, the the video in the Cape was a uh, something different uh, for us, and you kind of wonder why we haven't <laughs> had it in the past. The answer has always been resources, but uh, that was really neat for us to have uh, Peter up there, and uh, you know, just uh, like you said, a, a real a real team effort. Now, what's next for you on the college front, Aaron? What do our college readers and listeners have to look forward to next, uh, uh, you know, now that summer college baseball is behind us? Next big project in the horizon is our annual recruiting class rankings, um, which uh, generally come out, I think, beginning of October. Yeah. Um, we're already, already starting to work on those. Um, we'll spend most of September trying to hammer that out and uh, call as many scouts and coaches as I can and get a feel for who the best classes are uh, that have now arrived on campus uh, in colleges across the country. The only time I ever want to sing Carly Simon is when uh, you talk about that because nobody does it better. Nobody does it quite as good as you, Aaron. Uh, you're the best. Thanks, Johnny. Great way to end the podcast. Silence. <laughs> <laughs>
for Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. We'll talk to you next time on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.